Good morning. I want to say again hi to those of you that are watching us from your homes this morning, wherever you are, but I have to say there's nothing like being here and sensing the very presence of God, amen? I hope you can sense his presence here with us today. Isaiah chapter 38 this morning, I want to get a couple of technical issues about the passage out of the way, and then we'll get right into it this morning, okay? Because God has burdened my heart with this message now for a long, long time. The technical is this. The Bible was not put together in chronological order. Most of you already know that. That's why they come out years ago with the chronological Bible, right? So when you come to Isaiah 38, you're going to see in the Net Bible that you get to like verse 6, I think, and then you'll see verse 21 and 22 inserted between verses 6 and 7. Why is that? Because as they were putting the Bible together after the fact, they realized that those verses made more sense there than they did down here. Didn't do anything to the Word of God. It's a matter of where it fit. The same thing is true with this chapter. The events of this chapter actually take place before the events of chapters 36 and 37, the Assyrian invasion. So keep that in mind, too, maybe not today or whatever, but later on as you come back to this passage and you study it, be mindful of that, that that's true for all of our time in God's Word. It's not necessarily put together in chronological order. This chapter is about the deliverance of Judah's king, King Hezekiah. Probably the most righteous, godly king that Judah or Israel ever had except for David. In fact, he and David rank right up there as the two greatest kings that the people of God ever had. And you'll note, beginning in verse 1, we are told this, that in this time or at this time, why does God want to set this in the context of time? Because the looming threat of Assyria was casting a large shadow over Judah. Here's the world superpower right now, Assyria, and it is right on the doorstep of Judah getting ready to swallow it up, if you will. And then comes the news to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah that he has been stricken with a terminal illness and that he needs to set his house in order and prepare to die. Hezekiah, like many of us, knows what it's like to live our lives and feel like you don't just have one big thing you're dealing with, you've got multiple things you're dealing with at the same time right? It, it just seems like some seasons of life, it's like it'd be enough that you have to like navigate this thing, then you've got this thing, and then you've got maybe even other things, and it seems like sometimes it just starts to pile up. Well, guess what? Hezekiah felt that too. 
He was the leader of God's people. He felt responsible for them and for what was happening to Judah. And every night, I'm sure he went to bed and just thought about, you know, what do I do and how do I lead these people through this tremendous threat? And are we going to even survive as a people? Are, are, are all of us going to die at the hands of Assyria? Oh, and then on top of that, guess what, Hezekiah? You're going to die. How does he respond? Well, interestingly, too, Hezekiah's name means God will strengthen. God will strengthen. So how does Hezekiah respond to this news? Well, we're not going to spend much time on this part of the chapter, but from verse 9 through verse 20, Hezekiah, after the fact, meaning after God had healed him and he recovered, he wrote down a recollection of his thoughts, of his prayers, of even his praise to God after the fact. And that's what verses 9 through 20 contain. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that section. I want to concentrate on verses 1 through 8 this morning for our purposes. And when Hezekiah receives the news, you'll find this in 9 through 20, he's obviously devastated. This man was probably only around 40 years of age, so even back then, he was in the prime of life, so to speak. And he even mentions this in verse 9 through 20, like, God, I, I can't believe that I'm going to have to, you know, go through death now sort of in the prime of my life. I'm in good health, you know, up to this point, and I'm leading this nation, and, and I'm leading them in spiritual restoration. We're, we're coming back to you. We're, we're, we're bringing revival to your people, and so many good things are happening, and now I'm getting this news through the prophet Isaiah that I've got a terminal illness and I'm going to die. Obviously, he's devastated. He's troubled. He's, he's writhing. He, he doesn't want to die like any of us would want to die. In fact, in the very next verse, he says, God, remember how I've expressed my love and my response to your love to me by living a life of devotion to you and service to you. He, he's not saying, God, you know, I, I'm trying to be good enough to, to merit your love or to attain a relationship with you. He's simply saying, this is how I responded to you loving me. I lived a life of wholehearted devotion I served you, God, faithfully all these years. And he begins to weep and pour out his heart. Now, not in this section, but again, later on in that section of 9 through 20, he also asked God. In verse 16, it's recorded. He says, God, restore my health and give me the years of my life back. He asked God to do that. And here's a man whose experience is reminding us of something very important 
that all of us need to be mindful of every once in a while. It's sort of the Psalm 90, verse 12 verse, teach us to live wisely by helping us to consider our mortality. Hezekiah is saying, oh God, I wish I would have lived every day of my life realizing that my earthly life is a gift, a precious gift. And instead of squandering the days of my life, God, I'm so glad that I lived most of my life for what really mattered and what's going to count. Because I'm realizing now by this news that Isaiah is giving to me that my life can be cut short at any time and that I can go from life on earth to life in the afterlife just like that, in the blink of an eye. I don't necessarily, you know, have that news coming to me early. Now, he did, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't get the sort of message from God, hey, you're about ready to die, set your house in order, like Hezekiah did. And so he's reminding all of us of something we need to be mindful of. It's actually something that I share at every funeral or memorial service that I do. And that is, let's not forget those of us who are still here, that our lives are a precious gift and yet they are finite, and they are very fragile. And we will not live forever. Someday, some pastor, some minister, some priest, someone's going to do our memorial service because we're all going to have to go through that door of death someday. Are we prepared to die? Because heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Are you prepared for that day? And second of all, are we living our lives in light of life being a precious gift that one day will end? Are we making the most of our earthly life? Or are we putting things off and saying, I'll get to it someday? Are we appreciating our life and what we have in this life? Are we appreciating the people that God has brought into our life? And are we expressing to them our appreciation while we're alive? Because as a pastor for 38 years, I've also been in so many hundreds of memorial services where people come up to me after that service and said pretty much the same regret. Oh, Pastor Jeff, I wish I would have told that person how much they meant to me and how much they impacted my life and what a difference they made in my life. And I don't have that opportunity. Well, we have that opportunity. We don't have to get to the end of our life or the end of someone else's life and go, I wish I would have taken that opportunity. We have this moment now. We have this moment now to live every day to the fullest, to take out of every day everything God has for us, to show those around us how much we love and appreciate them before they are taken from us or we are taken from them, and to treat our life as a gift that is only here for a short time. As the Bible says, our life is a vapor, a vapor. 
a puff of smoke. That's what Hezekiah was dealing with. But then it says, he turned his face to the wall and he began to pray to his God. He literally shut out the world and he went face to face with God. I want you to see that response from Hezekiah today. That's how he responded to the news that he had a terminal illness and was going to die very shortly. He shut out the world and he went face to face with God. That is an excellent example for all of us of what we should do throughout our lives. No matter what our circumstance, our situation, news we receive, what we're going through and all of that, it's always a great idea to shut out the world and come into the presence of God and pour out our heart to him. And that's what Hezekiah did. Because remember, as I said right before even our worship time this morning, God has done everything he's ever done so that we could have a relationship with our creator. God wants to have a relationship with us. And in that relationship, notice what happened. God responds to Hezekiah's tears and to his prayer. Notice what God does next. God sends Isaiah back to Hezekiah and basically says, I, God, have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life. Now, several things. First of all, it's hard to be a prophet or servant of God every once in a while, right? The prophet just went in, told the guy he's going to die, and he's still on the front porch when God says, now turn back around and tell him he's not going to die. Which way are we going here, God? You know. Sometimes being a servant of the Lord and a spokesman for God can make us look foolish to other people. We've got to be okay with that because all we're responsible for is to speak the word that God wants us to speak and do what God wants us to do, even though sometimes it may like, I just went in and told the guy he's going to die. Now you're turning me back around and telling me he's not going to die. Yeah. Why? What's God up to here? Well, first of all, let's look at this. God says to Hezekiah, I heard your prayers and I saw your tears. Our prayers and our tears carry great weight with our God. He cares about us because he's in a relationship with us. It's why the writer of Hebrews tells us about our Jesus, our faithful high priest, that we do not have a high priest in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our human frailty and weakness. Our God can be touched. He can be moved. He can be affected by what is touching, moving, and affecting us. In fact, David even writes that God keeps our tears in a container. Wow. If you don't think God cares and loves you, oh my goodness, you are 
You are running from the revelation that God has given about himself in his word. Because everything about our God says, I'm a God who loves you. I'm a God who created you. I'm a God who was willing to go to the cross and die for you. That's how much I want to have a relationship with you. And yes, I care about you. Yes, I'm attentive to what you're going through. Our prayers and our tears carry great weight with God. But what does this also tell us? This is so important, especially, I think, for us as Christians. Does this teach us, then, that we can't trust God's word? Because you'll note there in verse 1, there's no qualification. God sends Isaiah to Hezekiah and says, Hezekiah, you're going to have a terminal illness and you will die, period. I thought our security, our stability, our surety as God's people was on the word of God, that what God said he meant. Yeah, it does. But there's always for us, and that's what I want us to see today, for us, human beings, the pinnacle of his creation, there's always an implicit qualification in his communication to us because he's in a relationship with us. And in like any relationship, there is give and take. God is not robotic in how he treats us and how he relates to us. He is always open to conversation. He's always open to being appealed to. He's always open to our prayers and to our tears. There's always give and take with God. In fact, that makes us even more secure and stable and sure because our security and our surety and our stability is not in our circumstances or our situation. It is anchored in our relationship with God. A God who has said in his word, if I am for you, who can be against you? And the one who did not even spare my own son, but delivered him up for all of you, how shall I not with him freely give you all things? Nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing. That's why you are more than conquerors through me who loves you. It's all about a relationship. And I think too often, as Christians, we get some kind of news or something happens or we get a few cards that we're dealt and we just go, oh, that's just the way it's going to be. I just got a deal. I don't have any, any course of action at this point. This is, this is the news. This is the way it is. And so I just got to shut down and just accept it no. If you're looking at your situation that way or you're looking at your God that way, then you're looking at a God who's more of a cold, aloof, lockstep type of being who just does this irregardless of how it affects you and how you're feeling and what Your heart is and where your heart is? No. 
God deals with each of us personally, just as he did with Hezekiah. And he wants us to get to the place like Hezekiah that just because you've been given some news or some circumstance you're going through or some situation doesn't mean that you and I cannot appeal to our God and our relationship with him because he treats us as his children. And he's always open to our prayers and to our tears, to our appeals, to our heart to the thoughts in our mind. So God says, through this story of Hezekiah, don't shut down. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light enough for you to carry. Relationship. Yes, the word of God is for him. Listen, When God says certain things are going to happen, you can bank on it because God has said it. And there's certain things about prophecy and, and the way things are and all of that in God's plan. They're firm. They're immovable. God's not going to change on any of that. And that we can be sure, stable, and secure on. But when it comes to us, you got to understand, he relates to us in a relational way. There's always give and take. And God is saying to us today, don't just settle for where you are or what you're going through. Come to me. Shut the world out and let's go face to face and let's talk about this. Because I'm a God who can be touched who can be moved, who can be affected by what you're going through. And I'm always open to changing something. Is that how you relate to God? If not, I hope today will be a new beginning for you. That more than even maybe God healing you today, that some of the healing that happens into your life is that you actually see your God in a different light than you ever saw him before. That you see a God who truly loves you and relates to you more personally than you could ever imagine. And instead of hearing something in this life and just shutting down and going, oh, what's the use in praying about it? That's just the way God wants it or that's just the way it is that you go, no, 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 because me and God are in this relationship, and like any good relationship, we can always come together, and there should always be give and take. There should always be God responds to me, and then I respond to him, and then he responds to me, and I'm responding to him, and that's what you see in Isaiah 38. It's just God responding to Isaiah, and Isaiah then responding to God, because that's the way relationships are supposed to work. Is that the way your relationship with God works? Because you're going to find more stability, security, and surety in your life in the relationship with God than you ever will even in your healing that may come from God. Because let's face it, even though God healed Hezekiah, he did tell him, I'll add 15 years, but in 15 years he was still going to have to die because at some point, at some point we've got to lay down this flesh. And that's for our good so that we can start to enjoy eternity. So at some point, God's not going to heal. At some point, some physical affliction is going to take our life. But for those of us that know the Lord, that's glory, my friends. 
That's promotion. That's getting rid of what's holding us back and holding us down and then getting that eternal, new, glorified body that's going to never wear out, never be held back for all of eternity. So at some point, there is no healing. The ultimate healing is always in the relationship. Because the relationship then that we have with our God carries us from this life to the next. Then Hezekiah says this. He believes, but like all of us who have faith, we may need assurance, <laughs> right? So Hezekiah says, what will be the confirming sign that I will go to the Lord's temple. By the way, I love that. Where was Hezekiah going to head after he was healed or after he got the sign? God's house. That showing his passion and priority. Listen, we already know he's just continuing the passion and priority of his life after he was healed that he had before. He's not like some of us who we get into a crisis or we get some kind of diagnosis or bad news and then all of a sudden we start coming to God's house more faithfully, we start praying more regularly, we start getting into the Bible. I mean, that's all good. God's got our attention. But wouldn't it be better to just continue living with the passions and priorities we have after God does something in our life this dramatic as it was before? That's Hezekiah. What's my confirming sign that I'm going to go up to the Lord's temple? And God gives him a sign. A sign that is actually a greater miracle than the healing. God says, you want a sign? The steps of Ahaz that are referred to there in this passage was basically a sundial. And God says, basically, I'll move the sun back 10, 10 degrees. How can that happen without, like, the universe imploding, right? I'm just going to turn the sun back? Yeah. Because God is showing, I can do anything. I'm God. And if I can move the sun back, then I can heal you, Hezekiah, of your terminal illness. And I think that's what God would say to all of us. Look, I've got the ability. I've got the capability. I'm God. There's nothing that you and I ever deal with that is beyond God being able to help or heal us with. Nothing. In fact, God even said, even if I choose in my will not to bring healing, the healing comes in my sufficiency, like he did with Paul. I won't take that thorn in the flesh away from you because I know that that's spiritually more beneficial for you but I will give you my grace that is sufficient. So either way, we're healed because we know our God is enough. He is sufficient, and that's where the relationship with God is even more stable and secure and sure than the healing that God can give us. But God, oh, he can heal. Remember, he can bring people back from the dead. So I don't know what kind of healing you're in need of today, if it's spiritual, if it's emotional, or if it's physical, but I know this, my God can heal you completely. And he can do it instantaneously if he chooses. 
He can do it over process if he chooses. He can even use medicine as a part of that healing because you'll note in the passage in verse 6 that Isaiah also told them to take a fig cake and apply it to this poultice or this ulcer that Hezekiah had that was maybe part of the source of his terminal illness. It is a reminder to us that God does use those in the medical field and medicine. Don't be like these people who believe that if we just have enough faith, we, we, that's all we need. We don't need to use the medicine that God has given people the knowledge to come up with. No, God says, that's in me too. That's from me too. It's both. And I can heal with medicine, through medicine, or I can heal without it. I, but I get to choose, God says. Let me be the one to choose how I do it. You just trust that I can do it. So think about it. God moves the sun back 10 degrees. In a sense, this is a beautiful picture of the restoration of light at that time of day was a sign of the restoration of life to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah then begins in verse 9 to, again, write down what he was thinking, what he was feeling, what he was praying, and eventually what he would be praising God for through all this. And he even writes in that passage, I realize now looking back on this, God, that all of this was for my spiritual benefit. I got closer to you through this. I saw you in a different light through this experience. I'm a stronger leader now for my people than I ever was before. And by the way, in the midst of God telling Hezekiah through Isaiah that he would heal him, he also told Hezekiah, oh, these Assyrians, don't worry about them, I got them. They're not going to touch you. I'll take care of them. And that's what chapters 36 and 37 is all about, the destruction of the Assyrians by the angel of the Lord. So God not only rescued Hezekiah from death, he rescued his people from the Assyrians. God's an amazing God, as we sung about. But I want you to notice one more thing. The very last verse of the chapter. Hezekiah is now realizing God is going to heal him. And he says, knowing now that God is about to deliver me, we, the people of God, are going to celebrate him with music from this day forward in the house of the Lord, the Lord's temple. We are going to worship our God consistently and continuously because our God is worthy of being celebrated and worshipped. And folks, I believe that Hezekiah would have said those words even if God would have chosen not to heal him because he was realizing that ultimately his ultimate encouragement 
his ultimate stability and security is not going to be found in his healing. It's found in his God and in a relationship with the God who loves him so much that he listens to all of his prayers and he sees all of his tears and he's moved and he's affected and he's touched by what touches our hearts and our minds. He gets right down into the muck of our lives and he goes through everything with us as God. What can you say to that kind of a God? And I hope that's how you see God today. Because I, Hezekiah does say, God, you delivered me out of the pit of oblivion. And literally, it is, you loved me out of my pit. That's powerful. Because we can all get into a pit at some point in our life. Whether it's a spiritual pit, an emotional pit, a physical pit, we can all get into a pit. And Hezekiah is reminding us, when we open ourselves up to the love of God, to how much God loves us, his love can, can begin to raise us out of that pit. I want to ask you today to just have enough faith to just shut out the world and begin to pray to your God and just turn to him and just reach, just reach up to him just a little. Because here's what we know about our God. Our God will extend himself to us. He's always inclining himself towards us, never away from us. He's always stretching himself out to us. And so all you have to do is just be a little bit open, and oh, he's right there. Because that's what kind of God he is. And I want to ask you today, do you believe your God can bring healing and wholeness in your life? If so, would you be willing to have your pastor or a pastor, if I'm not your pastor, pray for you and pray over you today during our time of closing and worship today? And do you believe that your God loves you, that he hears your prayers, that he sees your tears and that he's moved, affected, and engaged with you. And that you're just going to look to him today and look to that relationship you have with him. And if you're here today and you don't have that relationship with him, oh, then start today. Open up your heart to the Lord today. I don't know if anyone's going to come this morning for me to pray for healing for them, but if more than a couple come, I've already asked our leaders to be available to come alongside of those who come before I can get to you because I want to get and pray with every last person that comes here today. I will take the time. We will take the time in this service and the next. If you come for me to pray with you and pray over you, I will do that. But until I can get to you, I don't want you to stand here alone. I want you to know that we stand with you 
and that these leaders can come around you and be, can begin to, to pray with you too if, if that's what you so desire until I get to you. But will you shut out the world for just a few minutes and turn to your God and go face to face with him? I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. And I'm going to end our time right now with prayer. And as Nicole and the worship team begins to lead us into these songs, if you would like to come and be prayed for healing, I invite you to come. Because our God is powerfully present here today. And he can heal. He can heal. Father, there's nothing too hard or too difficult for you. Lord, there's nothing that you can't heal us of, spiritually, emotionally, or physically. You can do it in a moment. You can take your time. You can do it in any way you like. But God, you are the source of our healing and our wholeness in life and through eternity. And God, I pray right now that there would be many here who may be in need of healing, that God may even be seeing you in a light they never had before, and that they would be more open to you, God, that they wouldn't settle for the news they've received or the circumstance they're going through, but they would realize, God, that you are a God who relates and responds, a God who's reasonable, a God who can be reasoned with, a God who can be appealed to, and that, God, they will come. And they will allow me the privilege and honor of praying over them and praying for them today. Would you move, God? Would you work? Would you do miracles today, God, in this place so that you can be glorified, God? These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.